We don't hold these services a lot because I think that they make us a bit nervous. They can evoke images of faith healers and charlatans, snake oil salesmen who promise the world perfect healing for perfect faith, and then they get out of town in a hurry. That's not us. Our faith is not grounded in a belief that if we show a satisfactory level of holiness, then we will be healed. Our faith is not grounded in the idea that if you just pray the right words, an ancient secret prayer, then God will bend the universe to our desires for wellness. Our faith is not grounded in the notion that we, we would be healed if only that specially gifted miracle worker would stroll through town. And so where does that leave us? What is our prayer? What is our hope? How do we make it through sickness, infirmity, disability, our own or that of someone that we love? What is a faithful response to sickness? I've been meditating on what it means to be faithful through sickness for a while now. Though I am admittedly quite a film buff, I was surprised to find that my thoughts were turning to two unlikely movie legends, James Bond and Indiana Jones. These characters are great fun, immensely popular action movie figures who differ from one another significantly. James Bond, 007, is a secret agent. He is meticulously trained, debonair to a fault, charming, loaded with gadgets, cars, women, and style. Sure, he has setbacks in his missions, but he's slick, smart, and cool. He's almost always one step ahead of the bad guys, even if we can't tell yet. And then there's Indiana Jones, a PhD professor in archeology, span sort of a regular guy. Cynical, funny, passionate about what he believes in. You know, it belongs in a museum. Certainly, he is well-trained in his field. But I have a hard time imagining that back in his days as a doctoral student, they had instruction on how to wield a whip to escape a giant rolling boulder, or how to flee from enemies almost everywhere in the world, and how to bring a gun to a knife fight. I don't think that's in the curriculum. For Indiana Jones, things go wrong all the time. He doesn't have fancy gadgets and expensive governmental support. He's a regular, flawed guy who just keeps trying different things until something, anything, saves his neck. How do we respond in a faithful way when we are faced with sickness? Do we think that we have to be James Bond, cool and collected, rarely faltering and looking impeccable as we go? Or can we be Indiana Jones, get angry sometimes, shift courses, courses reach out for new allies, and trust that somehow, somehow, our persistence born of faith will help us make it through? Put another way, we might ask if we think we need to be a saint no matter what we're going through, or if we can let ourselves be humans in need of grace. We find such a person in our miracle story from the gospel this morning. For 12 years of her life, 
She had hemorrhages. She saw a doctor, spent all her money, sold what she had to find a relief. But still, her condition deteriorated. Twelve years is a long time to suffer. In verse 26, we read that she endured much under many physicians. It's hard to tell from our translation, but the word for endured refers less to physical pain and more to emotional pain. It echoes with the sorrows of being ill-treated and the anguish that comes from that. Maybe this is a subtle reference to the kind of treatments that had been prescribed to her, but maybe it carries the collective roller coaster of hopes built and dashed, lifted and stolen away over so many years. We don't know what she had heard about Jesus or what she expected from him, but he was probably her last hope. With no more resources, where else could she go? What else could she do more than anything? She wanted to be made well. So she reached out and touched his cloak. And there are different words for touching in Greek. This one is often used to describe what Jesus does when he performs healings, when he touches people. It specifically means when you touch something and you intend to bring a modification, when you intend to change it through your touch. In her case, she wanted to be fully remade through contact with Jesus. When she touched him, the flow of the hemorrhage stopped. It literally dried up within her. And she felt it in her body, directly experienced, not externally observed. Immediately, it was done, and she was healed. And and it's only after she was healed of her disease that we learn something more about her pain. There are quite a few words for sickness in Greek, but here the word is mastigos. It was literally the name of a whip that the Romans used to scourge criminals, leather straps with metal sewn into them. Metaphorically, it was used of a disease that equaled the pain of the lash. It was acute, and it had lingering, dreadful after effects. It was used to describe any disease that was as bad as a plague, as bad as torture for the one who suffered from it. She wasn't a whiner or complainer. She really suffered. To this point, we have primarily walked with this poor woman, heard her courageous hope and her willingness to be vulnerable for even the chance at healing. But now in the story, we shift to Jesus, who knows that power has gone out from him. He directed his attention to her. He invoked a direct relationship with this woman who found him with unique faith and persistence. He said, who touched my cloak? And the disciples, now they're saying, you're kidding us, right? There's a whole crowd of people all around you. They're so close together. Everybody's bumping into everybody else on practically every step. And do you want to know who touched you? They said, you see the crowd. They didn't believe that they had missed anything. They didn't believe they could. 
After all, everyone saw the same thing, so everyone understood the same thing. In the ancient world, they didn't have a separate concept for physically seeing and mentally understanding. You see the crowd, just like we do. Jesus stops and turns around. He looks for the woman, and she comes forward of her own accord. Maybe she was reckless, impertinent, impolite, acting from desperation. Maybe he would be angry that she had taken power from him while his back was turned, even though she needed that healing so desperately. But she knew what happened to her. This word used here, the word used here for knowing, goes beyond that direct, immediate experience she had before. Now she understands something deeper about the significance of what just happened to her. And so she comes with fear and trembling, a phrase you might recognize from the Bible. It's usually reserved for awe and reverence at the mighty acts of God. It is a response to God's divine power. She is shaking as she falls to the ground and bows to Jesus. And then like a witness in court, she tells him the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But the truth here is more than the bare facts. It's the totality, the deeper reality of what she just experienced through Christ. We don't get to hear her words to Jesus, only his response to this terrified and trembling woman. Daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let's stop for a minute there. Did you notice something strange? Why would Jesus tell her to be healed of her disease again? We already know from several verses ago that the disease had been cured. The flow had stopped. What does it mean? What's happening? If you read very carefully, you'll notice that when the woman sought out Jesus, she wanted to be made well rather than to be healed. To be made well can mean a lot of different things in the Bible. It can mean to be rescued from danger and return to safety. It can mean to recover from an illness, but it can also mean to be saved. The root word used for wellness here is the same as the word for savior and salvation. To be made well in this sense means more than simply curing a disease. It is a longing for wholeness in mind and body and spirit. Indeed, when the woman is cured earlier in the chapter, the verb use has the same root as the word for physician. Her body has indeed been made well, but her heart and her spirit need more healing. The proverb reminds us, the human spirit will endure sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? In the end, Jesus says that the divine gift of her faith has restored the wholeness that she sought. 
It wasn't her perfect willpower or social etiquette. It was the faith from God that lifted up her limited human belief. Jesus' blessing to her is life, that she would be restored in every way and become free from the ravages of her disease. In that wholeness, she can begin to let go of the anger and frustration of everything that she lost over so many years. She can begin to let go of the fear and despair of not knowing what would become of her. She could embrace the open possibility of life held safe in God's loving hands. My friends, she was no James Bond. And we don't need to pressure ourselves to be either. Like Indiana Jones, we can pursue what is good imperfectly, with bumps and bruises along the way. Like this woman, we can reach out for Jesus even when the crowds and the faithful followers don't see the light within us. In a moment, we will have an anointing, a chance to symbolically reach for Jesus' cloak ourselves. My friends know that healing from Christ comes in many forms. Know that Jesus hears our every need. Know that Jesus holds us fast from life to death and to life everlasting. Let grace wash your wounds and set you free. Amen.